Thanks for joining us today on the Centerpoint podcast coming from the Loft on Main in Danville, Kentucky. For more information, check us out at centerpointdanville.com. How many of y'all grew up in the 80s and like right into the 90s? You know, a couple of y'all, at least a couple, hopefully. Okay, all right, good deal. Come on, be proud of that, right? You know, uh, you can either be a 70s fire child or you can be like the Knight Rider guys or Airwolf. Anybody remember Airwolf? All right, that song sounds just like Airwolf. When I heard it, I was like, oh, this is great. I love this aviation. We're going to talk about it fine. It was a, if you don't know it, you need to go watch it. It was a helicopter that did 180. I mean, it was just unbelievable. And it flew in a volcano. All I can say is just go watch it if you want some more info, info on that uh, Airwolf show. So uh, we're not talking about Airwolf. We're talking about uh, how the devil knocks. But before we jump into that, uh, I just want to give you a couple quick updates. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we took up a, a little bit of an offering. We're still taking some of that up. If you still haven't had a chance to give, we would love for you to be a part of this. Now, this is an awesome opportunity for you to give and, and give back in huge ways. Um, the, 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 the estimated number around right now is around $22,000. So come on, that's, that's pretty cool. You can give God some praise around there. Um, that's just awesome. Uh, the, the goal was around twenty-five to 30000 to get this project rolling. Uh, if you don't know what the project is, but now uh, you have been hiding yourself into a box. Uh, but uh, God's doing some great things down on the corner of 2nd and Main Street. And if you don't know what that is, hey, I'd encourage you to come check it out on Tuesdays and Thursdays around 6.30. Uh, if you'd like to get your hands into some, uh, some uh, demolition, let's put it that way. So we're over there d- doing some demo. And if you don't want to do some demo on Tuesdays and Thursdays around 6.30 or 8.30, uh, come over to one of the parks where we're love loud now and doing some summer blitzes and loving on people. This week, we're going to do some barbecues. And speaking of barbecues, right after church again, we're going to be doing some barbecuing. So... Uh, I'll say all that real quickly just to say, man, God's doing some great things, and I'm excited about how the summer is launched and it's rolling along. It seems like we're already in the middle of summer. Um, I got to go see some family this week, and uh, you, we came back into town. As soon as we came back into town, we knew we were in Kentucky. I mean, the allergies went and you know, the hay fever. It's like, what? Just, where's the Zyrtec, you know? Uh, but it is fun to be here this summer, and we're excited about what God's doing, and we just want you to be a part of that as well. And so today, though, we're going to continue what we talked about last week when the devil knocks. And, and why are we even beginning to talk about what the devil is in church, right? Uh, because I know a lot of people either, A, they don't believe in the devil, or they just don't want to talk about the devil. And especially, why are we talking about it in church setting where we're supposed to talk about Jesus? Because this is why. Uh, we follow an amazing God who loves us so much, and he wants the best for us. Uh, however, we also have to be real and understand that the devil is real, and he wants nothing more to see you destroyed along the journey. Uh, his mission is very clear. If you do not know his mission, you need to open up your Bible to John 10.10 and just read it. We call it the 10.10 principle in my family and those groups that we associate with, but the 10.10 principle is simple. He comes to do three things. Those three things are what? Still, kill, and destroy. That's right. And he wants to destroy everything that matters to the heart of God. And that's you. That's you. And that's you. The good news is, is greater is he who is in us than the enemy who dwells within this world. Amen? Come on now. That's some good stuff right there. Uh, With that, I just wanted to jump right into today and look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, if you're taking notes. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 Uh, This is what the Apostle Paul says about a real battle going on. Paul says, for we are not battling against flesh and blood enemies. In other words, the the people who drive you crazy, right? 
either your next door neighbor, maybe your mother-in-law or people like that. Those are are not the real enemies, but our battle is against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. The unseen world? What are you talking about, Paul? Right? Now, either Paul's crazy or he's speaking truth. And, And I believe he literally is speaking truth because there's things that you probably can't explain that are happening even around you right now that you don't want to even give the devil credit for or you don't want to give God credit for. You just say, oh, it's just, it's just that thing. And let me tell you something. That's, you ever heard the old phrase, maybe, we, maybe we, where, we, where we live currently in our world in a culture called Kentucky? You ever heard the, the ice may be a little bit thin there? You're treading on thin ice. Man, I think a lot of us are treading on thin ice when we say, well, it's just the way it is. No, that's a spiritual world, man, that's coming after us fast and furious. And if you don't believe it, he's coming after your kids even faster. I mean, come on. If you don't believe me, just talk to the youth pastor over here about some of the things that they deal with. How it's just, it's, it's, it's crazy to begin to think that it's trickled down to fifth grade, sixth grade, you know, even in fourth graders. I, I even asked some people that even the past week, you know, do you really believe in the devil in a sixth grader? Nah. He's just a little figment of my imagination. He's like the little guy on my shoulder. He tempts me to do things that are wrong. Well, then evidently you do believe him. No, it's just what the cartoon shows. And I'm like, they have no idea what they're being played with, how they're being toyed. And that breaks God's heart because he knows what's about to happen. They're about to make a choice, an unwise choice, and they're about to go through the ice. And some of those choices, there's no turning back. You say, who would say that there is, there's more to this world than just what we see, right? There's a spiritual world as, as well as a physical world. And the Apostle Paul goes on to say, this battle, this battle, we fight against mighty powers in the dark world and against even evil spirits in the heavenly places or realms. And if you didn't miss last week, Jeff did an amazing job as to kick us off. And, and I encourage you to go listen online. But if we're talking about our spiritual enemy, right? If we're talking about, if we're gravitating towards our spiritual enemy, we better know who that person is. It's not, it is not your, your next door neighbor. It's not, your, you know, the baseball coach. It's not, you know, what's on TV. It's not the president of the United States. Okay, I'd throw that one in there for some people. Depends on what side of the party you sit on. But it's not, right? You fill in the blank. It's not, right? It's not not the Democrats. It's not the Republicans. It's not. You fill in the blank. There's a spiritual world out there attacking you from every angle, and he wants nothing more than you to fail. He wants to destroy everything that matters. You see, our spiritual enemy has different names in the Bible. A lot of people call him Satan, He's also called Lucifer, like we learned last week. He's also called the deceiver. He's also called the destroyer. He's called the accuser, and that's what we're going to talk about today. He's called the father of all lies. He's called the prince of darkness. And we're looking at, in this message series, three different images of metaphors of our spiritual enemy. And last week, we looked at the deceiver, and we talked about who is the devil. And he is the deceiver who attacks your minds with lies. He attacks your mind with lies. And next week, we're going to talk about the destroyer. Who is Satan? He's the destroyer. He wants to attack your will with pride. Now, men, if you're going to be here on Father's Day of all times, right, 
ugh. I know if no one shows up, I know why now, because I just told you where we're going. We're going to attack your pride. We're going to allow God to just literally be a part of that and be the center of that so he can start to work on us and, be, and humble us in a way that really reflects who God is. And, and, and I will promise you this, it, it will be a day that you don't want to miss. But today I want to spend some time talking about the image of the accuser. And have you ever been accused by somebody? I mean, just straight up, just pointing the finger, right? You've, you've heard that phrase before. You got three more pointing back a year, so you know what I'm saying? It's, everybody's had it, right? Whether it be true or whether it be false, my question is, how did you respond? Some people blow up, right? I'll be quite, quite honest. Like When people start accusing me, I, I usually defend myself pretty good. I just the DNA of who I am. But how did you fight back? Did you just accept it and move on? Did you show compassion? Did you show humility? Or did you show some kind of rebuttalness? You see, what we know is, is Satan is the accuser who attacks your heart with accusations. He attacks your heart with accusations. You see, the accuser who attacks your heart with accusation is someone who can trip you up and take you further than you want to go. What I want to do is tell you a couple of stories to talk to you about real honestly, honestly from just the bottom of my heart of who I am and, and how I heard the accusations this week and, and maybe even this past couple of years that we've been on this journey together planning a church and how the, enemy, the enemy's voice works in the midst of everything. And some of you are like, well, you know, what can it be? How bad can it be? Come on, pastor, right? Just let me be transparent with you a little bit. Uh, if you don't know, um, I'm a soccer coach. And some of you are like, really? You know, of all the sports, I thought you'd play basketball, you know, but come on now. Tall soccer players are really good too. So, um, you know, I, I played soccer as a little kid, and so I understand the support, the, the sport in a way that like, allows me just to, to, to gravitate towards it. And, and I played it into college, and I enjoyed the, the time there. But, um, but now I get to coach soccer here locally with little kids and stuff. And, and, and some of the parents would, would call it, you know, the, what I get to do and, and get to hang out with their kids. But some parents would literally call what I, what I do for their kids is, is free childcare. You know, they, they, they get exercise, they get snacks, they get loving attention. And the, the parent gets a couple hours break and go do running errands. You know, it's just the way it goes. Um, but the truth of the matter, I, I'm building relationships with these kids. And I'm building relationships with these parents. And to be quite honest with you, it's a highly enriched environment where the kids love it, I hope, at least I think so, um, and they love to learn, they love to put things into action, and it's just fun to see them, in my perspective, to, to understand and celebrate winning the small things. And, you know, let me just briefly tell you some small things. Maybe about four years ago, we didn't win a game. We were zero and 20. I mean, we sucked. Just very straightforward with you. We were not good. But you keep on loving them and you teach them where to put the ball. Quick story, my, my little girl uh, drove me crazy. Uh, she was out there. She had every other person out there playing ring around Rosie and chase the butterflies. Finally, I set her down or I gracefully grabbed her head. You choose. And we had that conversation. You put the ball in the back of the net. She goes, oh, put the ball in the back of the net. I said, yes, put the ball in the back of the net. And so she went and put the ball in the back of the net four times within like five minutes. I was like, why didn't you do this? She goes, you never told me. I was like, there's a, there's a story there. There's a sermon there. I'm telling you, put the ball in the back of the net, but that's not today. 
But the, the, we, we celebrated those great things, and the next thing you know, we, we go from doing about 500, and now, now we're just really, really good, and the team is awesome. And we went 20-0 and 0 last year, and this year we, we even, you know, we, we only lost a couple games, and it was, it was just fun. It's fun watching these kids get it and celebrate the win, and they understand the game, and to watch them pass it around and, and do what they need to do, and it's, it's just fun. But this past season, though, our, our team, you know, has, like I said, has been very, very, very good. And some of the other coaches, um, really, it gets kind of competitive because we are a good team. And so they bring all their best players out. Maybe even they bring some players that shouldn't play on the team, but I won't say nothing about that. Um, God's the judge. I'm just the you know, coach. And so anyways, uh, but yeah, they're out there playing against us. And, and let's just say our, our players are a little bit bigger than the rest of the players. And, and so, you know, the, yeah, there's some fouls. There's some, it, soccer's a contact sport. But during this moment, there's this heated moment. One of our players accidentally tripped the player. He really did accidentally tripped him. I, I watched it, but the coach didn't think it was an accident. The coach ran out in the field, and, and, and this happened twice, by the way. And, and I, you know, this is how Satan works, okay? But he, he ran out to the field, and, and he, he basically helped the player up, and, and, and that moment was kind of chaotic because he began yelling at me. Now, you can yell at me. I'm okay. I'm not going to yell back at that moment. And by the way, I'm a coach that's not like the most yelling coach, like the screaming constantly at the official. But if I like to play by the rules and we're going to play by the rules, let's play by the rules. If we're not going to play by the rules, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to play by the rules. But anyways, what happens is next is, you know, it's interesting moment because then he starts to proceed to yell at the official. Now the official, you know, she's, she's just, you know, she's out there doing her thing and and that's okay, too, because the official's got to take it. And the official can kick him off the field if he wants to. But the next thing that takes place, he starts to yell back at me. And so I'm just like, hey, calm down, just calm down. And then he yells at who? The, the little player. Well, you know, I did what any good dad did and honestly good coach did. And I love my kids, and I defended that player. And so I went out and gracefully approached this coach. And a six-foot-eight bald guy Let's just say this way. The video camera does not show what I did properly. Because <laughs> now it says, let's take it out in the parking lot. You know, and it's those moments of clarity where you really were just trying to say, man, let's just calm down here. But it doesn't look like I'm calmed down because it looks like I am elevated, ready to go after this man and beat him into the ground for coming after one of my players. And it didn't show any of the other stuff. It just shows me towering over top of this man, yelling at him profusely and saying things that definitely should not come out of a pastor's mouth. <laughs> it, all I can say, it happens. I did not swear, but I swear I told him, I said, if you want to take it out in the parking lot, we can. And that's what's on video camera. And all I can say is, man, that's how the devil, that's how the devil works. That's how the devil sneaks in and trips you up. He takes you farther than you want to go. He told me in that moment, yeah, defend that kid. Go after this guy. He needs, to be, he needs to be humbled, right? He needs to be humbled, and I was the guy to do it. I'm bigger than him. But then all of a sudden, you know, that moment later is, why are you a pastor? You should be a better example than these. These kids just watch you go crazy on a guy. Those people out there, they, they saw you. It's going to now be on social media. Like, what is it going to do for the church? That's how Satan starts to throw the accuser, accusations in the back of my brain. Those darts are from the devil trying to bring me down, trying to kill me off, 
and trying to destroy some of those amazing relationships that I've had the privilege of building, instilling a lot of joy. And just like Jeff said last week, not today, Satan. Not today. You're not going to get that. But even this week, I found out that that video has now surfaced. And so if you see it on Facebook, just say, you know what? Not today, Satan. (laughs) Hey, confessions are coming from the pulpit today, all right? So, but another quick story is this one. It's between me and my, somebody like, he's a pastor? Um, Yeah, unfortunately. So, you know, another quick story is between me and my wife. And so, you know, we've been married now for about almost 17 years. Uh, Come July 14th, uh, we will celebrate 17 years. And we have four amazing children, uh, two dogs, a house full of Nerf darts and a bunch of Legos. Uh, and that, that'll keep you, you know, sane most of the times. But uh, to say the least, Sarah and I have, have had some interesting mutual disagreements uh, every now and then. You know, in layman's terms, we fight, okay? All right, let's just be honest. We, we, we fight. Uh, most of our disagreements are about small things, though. They really are. They're about small things that turn into big things. And, and we make them into big things, and it's really they shouldn't have never got to there. Uh, it's, 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 it's those small things like, you know, like I didn't listen. Let's just be honest, right? Let's just, if we're just honest, I didn't listen. Uh, or she doesn't respect my feelings. Let's just be honest with that one. Uh, we rarely ever fight. Uh, we get along pretty good. But when we do, oh boy, we make up for lost time. You know, we, we know how to fight, right? Uh, I'm, my, my roots are from Lincoln County. And uh, us Lincoln County and folks, we know how to fight and throw down. And she's a northerner, so she already knows how to fight. I mean, it, she, it just comes out naturally. But it can get pretty ugly sometimes. It really can. And, and, I, and I play the silent game pretty well. I'll listen sometimes for a long time. But then when I've had the enough button, I'll throw the enough button down, and then it's all like Donkey Kong. I mean, it's just be, it's just, it, it gets real in the house, and every, every kid just like, you know, all the Legos just magically just disappeared. And all the Nerf darts just magically disappeared. It's, it's great. Sometimes we fight just to tell the kids to, to clean the rooms because everything gets clean real quickly. They don't, they don't want any part. They don't want any part of dad in this moment or mom. I mean, it's just like something's up. We, we better start, Maximus starts cleaning everything and, and Mia's just making the beds. Then Makai's in there cleaning the toilet bowl. And it's like, it's truthful. I mean, we some, it's just funny, but... Um, you know, uh, it, it, you're, you're getting everything this morning. You're getting, getting everything, right? But did I mention um, we were both non-Christians at one time, though? And so that DNA is still there. It, it surfaces. We're not perfect. She was, like I said, she was raised a northern rat, and so words fly. Um, and you, you may think she's really innocent, uh, but don't let that fo- smile fool you. Uh, my, bride, my bride can throw down with the best of them, and she can. Uh, and, but I do remember one time during a heated moment, or let's just say it, a discussion, um, she came to me crawling on her hands and knees and said, get out from under that bed, you big coward, and fight like a man. <laughs> there, there was a moment there that... I came on out, and we finished the discussion. But the easiest way for us to, to get into a fight, honestly, is, is if, if I just open my mouth without thinking, and if she does the same thing. Seriously, it's no different than your life. And if you're married, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's literally over stupid stuff. 
if we just decided to go through the drive-through to grab some food somewhere, even though she's already been there a hundred times and she's going to get the exact same thing, but she still asks for that one more minute after we've been waiting for 10 minutes. And I look at her and go, that, that, can, that can be at the moment of escalation, right? Or, and I can just sit there and say something sweetly under my breath, dear baby Jesus, you know, and all of a sudden it just blows up. Well, let's just go somewhere else. You know, it's just... It's just moments. We fight like crazy over stupid things. And I know you do the same thing, so don't judge me. And I remember a while back, and this has been quite a couple years ago, and I, and I, I, had, I had had it with, with just a, a couple of things. And, and, and one of those things was running late. You know, no one does that around here. I know that. It's just in our family. But with running late, and so I was going above the speed limit. <clears throat> Pastors do do that. At one time, and, and she said, slow down. So I just sped up and turned the radio up. I did it just the opposite of what she said. I don't care if there's car, kids in the car or not. I, I was not going to be late. I, and so when I was late, I missed the turn. And so I just lost it. And I, I remember whipping the car around in Walmart and just, <laughs> I'm speaking speak Chinese to the car. And I'm, you know, beating the car. And I, and I, and I just had it. And I just, I, just, I just aggressively hit the steering wheel. And she saw something in me that had never come out before. And it was, it was a vile anger. That was a DNA that just, just came out. It was almost like a crazy person. And, and I might have banged the steering wheel more than one time, possibly 10. Uh, but it was a moment that I'm not proud of. But, you know, the car, everything in the car, my, my wife's, you know, is a teacher. Maybe not next year. We'll see what happens after this story comes out. But in school terms, it, it went to a level zero in the, in the car, completely quiet. And did I tell you that we fight pretty well sometimes? We, we finally made it to that place where we're supposed to be and everyone else, you know, whatever, we did the exact same thing what everybody else does, right? We put that mask on and acted like nothing's wrong. We had our two kids and we just acted like everything was peachy. And, but, but when we got back in the car, we didn't talk for nearly three or four days. We drove home and we didn't say a word. And we obviously worked it out because she's, you know, she loves me and I love her. And, 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 but here's what happened to me in that whole journey. And I share this for this one reason. And again, for the next three or four days, and even just here recently, I've been experiencing this. These fiery darts of accusations like you cannot possibly imagine. You're not a man of God. You shouldn't even be a youth pastor, let alone a pastor. You're not worthy to be married to her. You are so wicked. You are so messed up. You are so worthless. You are such a bad example, not only to your children, but to those other kids who you coach, some of them who see you as their pastor. Look up to you as a man of God, but you just took them down and you let them down. That's what goes in on my brain. Then it just keeps spiraling out of control. And for literally a few more days, then it's, then it's like, I'm not even a good dad anymore. And all of a sudden, this guilt, this shame, and, and this contrite set in in my life. Because now, as, as a father of M&Ms, four M&Ms, I'm involved in everything around me. And as the schedule is so intense, and it multiplies into the summer, and it multiplies even more rapidly into the fall, I have many more schedules. And I'm a failure as a dad. And I'm not even a good dad. I don't even deserve to be a dad. I shouldn't even be a pastor. And the list goes on. 
You see those fiery darts of accusation from one who hates me. And then all that is good that is within me is fighting for me. You see, I tell you those stories so you know, first of all, I am human. And I'm not perfect. But I am saved by grace. Doing my best to follow Jesus every step of the way. But I hope you'll understand is, is those voices that, that even accuse you, they're not from my heavenly father who loves me and loves you. They are from the enemy who hates you and wants to steal, kill, and destroy. How many of you would be honest this morning, would be honest this morning and raise their hands if they've ever experienced anything like that where you hear the voices that you're unworthy, you're not good enough, you're not lovable, you're not trustworthy, and on and on and on. Who would just, just boldly raise their hand and say, that's me? Look around. You're not alone. You're not alone. You see, those voices come from our enemy, and we got to identify who our enemy is. He's known as the accuser. And my prayer is this morning for us all is Isaiah 54, 17. And it says it this way, that no weapon turned against you will succeed, that you will silence every voice raised up to accuse you by the power of the risen Christ. May you silence every voice risen to accuse you, that no weapon will succeed. And so let's talk about the devil for a second. Let's talk about Lucifer. Let's talk about Satan. You see, this is what John called the devil. And John walked with Jesus. And in Revelation, he said this about, about who the Satan was. He said that I heard a loud voice in Revelation 12, 10. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of God and the authority of the Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters... Catch that word. The accuser of our brothers and sisters. You see, the Greek word translated as the accuser is actually diablos. Diablos. Sounds like a vampire word. But it's used 35 different times in the New Testament, by the way. And it's, and it's translated as a devil adversary or accuser. And for the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night, day and night, day and night, he accuses. For the accuser of our, our brothers and sisters ha has been hurled down. He is defeated by the risen Christ, all right? He's defeated by the risen Christ. He has been hurled down, but he does not stop accusing day and night because he wants to do something to all of us. He wants to trip us up. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy us. So what's so interesting is this. What the accuser will do is before you ever sin, he lies to say to you, he'll say, go ahead and bang on that steering wheel. Go ahead, yell at a little bit on the soccer field. It'll be okay. You can defend that person. Go ahead and drive crazy because it's okay. It's okay to yell. It's okay to, to lose your control. Afterwards, those voices, their tones change. They shift positions and they say, you're unworthy. 
You're unlovable. You're undeserving. You're nothing. Before you sin, the devil says, go ahead and do it. It's no big deal. Everyone else does it. You're going to be okay. You're not going to get caught this time. Besides, who really cares? It's your life. Live it the way you want to live it. After you do it, you're pathetic. You're no good. God doesn't love you. God will never use you again. You've gone too far this time. Before you sin, he lies. After you sin, what does he do? He accuses. And I believe for most of you, you know exactly, exactly what I'm talking about. So if you're taking notes this morning, write this down. When the devil talks to you about God, he lies. Did, did God really say that? Like last week, we, we talked about that last week. But when the devil talks to you about you, though he accuses, you're no good, you're pathetic, you're unworthy, you're unlovable. We're talking today about how to overcome the voices of the accuser. And there's a passage, there's a unique passage in the Old Testament of the book of of Zechariah chapter 3 that allows us to see a perfect example of the devil as the accuser. Now, essentially what we have here is a vision from from Joshua of of, of a courtroom, right? And and where God is the judge in the story, and then there's Joshua. Joshua is the high priest, and he's the one on trial, by the way, and and, and he's the, the defendant. And then there's Satan, and Satan is the prosecutor. He's the one going after him, Joshua. And Satan is the one who is trying to convince the judge, God, of Joshua's guilt, and he's the accuser. And so Satan actually appears, though, here's the truth of the story. Satan actually appears to have a case about Joshua's guilt because he's going to say Joshua's robes, what he was wearing, is very, very dirty. And a high priest's robe should be clean, white, spotless. And because you see filth, filth is always a sign or a picture of sin. And so Satan appears to have a case, and he's going to win. Perhaps Joshua, the high priest, really is guilty, and he's going to pay the price. But in Zechariah chapter 3, verse 1, it says this, Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan at his right side to, uh, what's that word? Accuse him. The Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebukes you, Satan, The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebukes you. It is not this man a burning stick snatched from the fire. Now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. In other words, he may be guilty here. He may be guilty, but he's being saved from the punishment. Now here's the truth. Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. He was dirty when he should have been clean. Imagine this. He's standing before God and apparently is guilty. Imagine Satan pitching his case, not just against Joshua, but against you. If you're standing in that same courtroom in this same sort of scenario, and Satan's here, God's up here, and you're over here, What's the case against you? This is just clothing that's dirty. What's your case look like? Where is it heading? What does Satan know that's hanging over your head right now? 
How is he twisting it? How is he telling the truth? What is it? So for me, didn't you fight with your wife? Didn't you argue with another person in front of everybody? Isn't it on video? Didn't you break the law by driving way too fast even though no one saw it? Or, or maybe it's something more. Maybe you've lied so much you can't even keep count. Maybe you've had an affair and it's driving you inwardly wrong. Maybe you've been divorced and it's tearing you apart. Maybe you filed for bankruptcy and no one knows. Maybe you have a secret addiction to porn and you just keep on clicking. Maybe you've had an abortion. Maybe you're hooked on a drug. Maybe you have a secret sin that no one knows about and you don't want no one to know about. But guess who does? Guess who does? You see, we are dirty and we feel ashamed and unworthy. The accuser hurls shame. And before we look at the rest of the story, I just want to remind you who Jesus is. You see, the devil is the accuser, right? But Jesus is your advocate. He's gonna fight for you. He's gonna continue to love you. And he's gonna continue to open his arms up wide and ready to receive you. But you gotta choose. You see, in 1 John 2, 1, it says this, my dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. You see, the devil hurls accusations at Joshua and Jesus is at his defense. In Zechariah chapter three, verse four, it says, the angel said to those who were standing before him, Joshua, take off his filthy clothes. Joshua, take them off. And then he said to Joshua, see, I've taken away your sin and I will put fine garments on you because you belong to me. You're one of my descendants. You see, God wants to bless you with something you do not deserve. Not because you were good. You see, this is how good God is. You see, God is good and he wants the best for you. You just gotta be willing to receive it. But if you come next week, there's a lot of people that are too prideful to take it. And that breaks the heart of God. You see, now what we don't see in this story is this though. The angel didn't say, now Joshua, after your poor behavior, what we're going to do here, Mr. Joshua, is we're going to put you on one-year probation. And if you live to our standards, here's this big list, here's this big list. Then, perhaps at the end of the year, you can enter back into this servicing of the Lord at an entry-level position, Mr. Joshua. And if you're really, really good over the next three years period, we might even move you up in the ranks a little bit. But you've got to be extra good, and you've got to, extra, walk the, you've, got to, you've got to serve everywhere. You've got to even go be a soccer coach. <laughs> and if you have any doubt, if you have any doubt and any sin, you're, you're going to be taken out of the game because we can't have someone of your character and nature serving God. You see, we didn't see any of that. That's sort of how our churches work, don't they, some days? That's sort of how we work in our culture that we've made up, isn't it? And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because you've been in those positions. 
Maybe some of you are serving on probation right now. But this is what the Lord says in verse 5. I want you to hear this. Then he said, put on a clean turban on his head. And so they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him. And while the angel of the Lord stood by, the angel of the Lord gave this charge to Joshua. This is what the Lord Almighty says. If you will walk, what is this? If you walk, come on, say this word. If you will walk in what? Oh, isn't that just tough? He didn't say do it tomorrow because delayed obedience is just the same as disobedience. It says if you walk in what? Obedience to me and my requirements, then you will govern my house and I and have charge of my courts and have charge of my courts and I will give you a place among these standing here, Joshua. You see, the angel ordered him to remove his filthy clothes and put on his holy garments. And he, re- he ordered him to return to the temple and keep serving the Lord, but he asked him to do one thing, follow, follow his commands, follow how to love others, follow how to love him. And, and if you failed, if you've fallen, if you've messed up, receive what God is trying to say to you even right now for this passage. Keep serving, keep loving, keep on getting closer to God. Trust in what God's trying to do through this moment. And if you've done something really wrong and you're guilty, I think it's so important to learn and distinguish between Satan's accusations and the spirit of conviction. There's a big difference between the two. You see, Satan's accusations drive us away from God. And there's a lot of people that I know I've watched fall away from the church and God simply because they feel accused. There's even people right now that are going through that I'm watching and just, I'm watching, it's breaking my heart watching them go through this crap because they feel like they're going to get judged because they've done something wrong. And it drives us away from God. They can justify it all they want to. But I know it's not godly and it's not from this heavenly form. You see, accusations drive us away from God, but conviction leads us to God. You see, accusations of guilt and shame and contrite pull us away from God, but convictions lead us to repentance and hope and more importantly, his love that endures forever. You see, what I want you to know that the devil will take you farther than you wanted to go through accusations. And for some of you, this place has led you to some really bad choices in life. And, and what he does, he accuses, the accuser, Satan, accuses and accuses, and he wants you to feel guilty. He experiences regret and remorse. However, the Spirit of God convicts and draws you to the presence of God to experience his grace. And that's why the brother of Jesus talks in Hebrews about the importance of confessing our sins because there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You see, whenever the Spirit convicts you, it draws you to the presence of God to experience his grace and his goodness. It's the conviction that leads you to to confess your sins. Because God is faithful and just and and will forgive your sins and cleanse you from from all unrighteousness, right? 
It's, it's the conviction that draws you into this goodness of God where his presence says, now therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Whenever the spirit convicts, we step into God's presence. We step into his grace because he is good through and through. There's an old saying that, that I've picked up on and, and it's really true. And if you're taking notes, this is a good one to take. And I want you to remember this this week, even as we deal with this. And, and I think this is one that really just allows us to understand fully how, how the devil works. And it's the saying that says this, the devil knows your name, but calls you by your sin. God knows your sin, but calls you by your name. I'll say that again if you didn't catch it. The devil knows your name, but calls you by your sin. And God knows your sin, but he calls you by your You see, the Apostle Paul describes a spiritual battle this way. And how do, we, how do we battle against the evil one, right? When we recognize that we are in a spiritual battle, in a warfare. We don't fight as humans fight. We fight with the supernatural powers that God gives us, these weapons. And in 2 Corinthians, it says this in chapter 10. It says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are, are not weapons of the world. On contrary, they have divine, divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. If you're here today, and you're hearing any type of accusation or any other thing that's going through your brain, don't believe them. Don't believe that you're a failure and you should be ashamed. Because God is sitting here saying, I am righteousness. I am God. I am Christ. I am a new creation. The old is gone. If you feel like God is just punishing me and you hear these accusations, God is just punishing me. My father that sent his one and only son through love. My father is a good God who gives good gifts, right? Attacks are from the evil one. And what the devil meant for evil, God will use for good. Consider it pure joy whenever you face those type of trials. Maybe you're hearing this one. After what you did, God won't come through for you because you're in big trouble. Rejoice in the Lord always. Say it again. I say rejoice. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, make your request to God. And the peace of God transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Or maybe you're hearing this one. God isn't here. He's just disappointed in my life and he doesn't even love me. And I'll say it this way. No, not today, Satan. 
and all these things more conquerors through him who he has loved. For I am convinced neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, nor powers, neither the height nor the depth, nor anything else in all creation will separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, whether the enemy starts lying to us, telling us we are not worthy, we need to take that thought of captive and we need to fight with supernatural powers that only come from the supernatural. Use the supernatural weapons, which is prayer and petition. What do we have? Just like the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 6, if you don't believe in this stuff, this is so true, but it's the helmet of salvation. Now, a lot of us use this back in VBS or vacation Bible school when we dressed up, right? But that helmet of salvation is real. That breastplate of righteousness is real. The shield of faith, which quenches out the fiery darts of the evil one, is real. The belt of truth is real. The shoes prepared with the gospel of peace is real. And we have offered, uh, we have the offensive weapon, which is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and it's sharper than a double-edged sword. And it is real. You see, the very same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, it dwells within us. And whenever the devil accuses and tells us that you're not and you can't and, and you, you capture that and, and, and you flip it and you reject it with everything, you put on that full armor and you reject it and you go on the offense with the one who goes on the offense with you. You make it obedient to Christ and you start following him in a way that literally strikes down Satan. You fight back with the word of God and with the sword of the spirit. You are not who your enemy says you are. He's trying to talk you out of living for God, glorifying God, and making a difference. We say it this way around here, change lives, change lives. But Satan wants nothing more to say, you're not really changed. You're not really changed. You're just putting on a show. You see, he wants you to sit right where you're at and never move and just get comfortable. You see, God wants you to be humble, to pick up this full armor and to go on the attack and to start to use things that he's given us, which is prayer, petition, and love. And to literally strike down those accusations and go out and change lives because he's changed yours. You see, Satan, he has a mission to steal, to kill, and destroy everything that matters to God. And let me tell you something. You matter to God. And he is attacking you with accusations. The good news is this. You have an advocate. You have the amazing defense. And he's seated right next to you, God the Father. And his defense is simple. Three words. It is finished. You have got Christ defending you and standing with you. And greater is the one who is in you than the one who is in this world. And I pray you understand that today. And as we just take some time now just to, to dive into a word and through a song called Beautiful.
my hope and prayer is this, that God just opens up your heart. It allows you to see where you're, you're being attacked, where these accusations are coming from and where the devil has got a stronghold this week. Maybe he's telling you you're not good enough or you're not worthy enough or you're not, you fill in the blank. Allow, allow God to move you through prayer and petition, maybe through confession. I don't know what it is, but I know when we move, it honors God. And I know when we do this in a way together, we get to experience changed lives that change lives. And we get to go out and multiply that because you are beautiful in everything. No matter what those scars look like, those scars are just testimonies of your past history. I want to go stepping forward with a new story with you as we humbly just say, God, what are you asking for me now? I know I'm supposed to put on this full armor. I know I'm supposed to do this, but what now? Let's seek out God together. And let's not let the accuser, the father of lies, have any grounds in this room with any of our families. With any of our families. Let's do that today because I believe today could be a day that could change the lives of many. Jesus, I pray that as we just take these steps, as we put on this full armor of God, as we just humbly bow down, that we know we're beautiful, that we know that we're loved by you, and then you're ready to defend us at all costs. Because you already said it's finished. We just gotta be open enough to receive the new garments, to understand that we are worthy, that we are loved, that's my prayer for all of us this morning no matter where we're at we believe in your word we believe in your word in a way that changes our lives and it radically changes others around us Jesus move us now